World of Blazing brings you a podcast based on truth, spoken boldly. Join the man on fire, John Sublon, as he takes on issues of faith and culture. Always faithful, always real. This is True Faith, Real Talk, and now the man on fire, John Sublon. Welcome to another episode of True Faith Real Talk. This is your host, the man on fire, John Sablon of johnsablon.com. I want to welcome those who are returning to the show and those who may be new to the show, a, a warm welcome to you as well. So uh, in today's segment, I, I'm not sure if y'all ready. You know, uh, I may be the man on fire, but my guest today uh, is En Fuego. He is absolutely on fire for the Lord, for Holy Mother Church. Uh, just a little bit about his background, and I'll bring him on uh, here in a second. But this man is a three-time world police boxing champion, a former USA middleweight kickboxing champion. He's a former L.A. County sheriff, and now he's a full-time lay evangelist, a full-time slayer of demons, and a full-time sayer of truth, and a full-time slayer of lies and error. I want to welcome my brother with the same Holy Mother to the show, Mr. Jesse Romero. Hey, brother. Hey, John, how are you? Thanks a lot for uh, inviting me to your program. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank, thank you very much for, uh, for being on here with me. I'm excited to kind of get into, uh, you know, just, just your point of view as, as it relates to what's going on in the world today with our Holy Mother Church today. But before we do that, um, one of the things I like to do when I get my guests on the show is to kind of talk a little bit about uh, your journey. I, I'm not sure of, of everybody knows um, uh, the background on Jesse Romero, um, you know, some may be familiar, some may not be, but maybe you can kind of give us, a, my viewers, a background on, on who you are, how, how you came to be where you are today. John, I was born and raised in a, in a Latino Catholic family in the Barrio San Fernando, California. I went to Catholic school all my life. I would consider myself <clears throat> uh, early on a cultural Catholic, kind of a Catholic by tradición, as they say in the, in the barrio, mm -hmm. católico de tradición, you know, católico cultural. Um, it, it was kind of the very air that I breathed, but it didn't mean a whole lot to me. It was just kind of the whole culture. Uh, but as you would have it, it was probably when I left San Fernando, started going to college in the West Valley, Northridge, mostly, you know, mostly Caucasians and stuff. So really out of high school. So first time out of the barrio and stuff. And I went to Cal State Northridge, just like, you know, 30, 40,000 students. Uh, you know, I've seen, you know, Muslim clubs over here, Buddhist clubs over here, even it's a whole new world. And at that point, of course, one of the things that you always have to take in, uh, in, in as a GE is comparative religions mm -hmm. that screwed me all up. Okay. <laughs> here I am. Low information Catholic, 18 years old, huge state college, not very rooted to my faith. I'm more into the Kumbaya Catholicism <laughs> of the 70s and 80s. And uh, I, I think the whole uh, comparative religions class, which you have to take as a general education, I mean, I just thought like, I, I bought into the whole coexisting, you know what I'm saying? The, mm -hmm. You know, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it wasn't until my mid-20s, I joined the L.A. Sheriff's Department as soon as I could. I mean, at 21, that's I, I hired on right at 21. And in my mid-20s, I'm starting to see a lot of things come at me real fast, like just like like a, like a pitcher throwing 90-degree fastballs at you. Mm -hmm. Suicides, drive-bys, overdoses, uh, you know, just uh, rapes, uh, domestic violence. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of evil 
very young and it's coming at me very fast. Mm -hmm. And I remember at that point, I just said, if there's a God, uh, then I need to find him because I, I, I determined that life is crazy and I'm going to be part of the problem unless I actually know, believe in something, grab onto something. So that kind of helped me return back to my Catholic faith. I just got curious. I was posed with the Jesus question. Who's Jesus? I'm like 25, 26. I said, okay, time out. Who is this Jesus dude? I go to mass on Sundays. Every Sunday, there's a big crucifix or stations of the cross. I hear about the gospel. But who who is he really? And at that point, I said, you know what? I'm a young cop. I'm going to search for myself. I grabbed the Bible that I'd never opened before. Got it at confirmation. Started reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I mean, like, I mean, like as an investigator, I want to know who this guy is. Mm -hmm. Got my yellow marker, you know, got my reading light here, you know, got my, I went to buy a Bible dictionary, got a Bible map. And I could tell, the only thing I could say is this, immersing myself in the gospels for about six months to a year, I found love with Jesus Christ. And at that point I said, wow, now I know the meaning and purpose of life. That happened at around 26 or 27, where I said, this is who I've been searching for all my life. Mm -hmm. I'm 57 now, so it's been about 30 years since I've been in this journey. Okay, so there wasn't really a, a question about Catholicism, Catholicism being the faith. It was just a matter of reigniting that, that, that love, or maybe just encountering Christ for the first time through sacred scripture. Or what would you well, say— one of the what kind of instigated all this i was working with a partner mm. and he was from calvary chapel mm -hmm. okay so he was a fired up fundamentalist and he's you know when you work eight hours with a guy you get to know him real better than your wife really i mean you're just with him eight hours a day mm -hmm. and so this guy's quoting scripture and talking about jesus with and uh, hey you know okay you catholics why do you guys do this and i started really that realizing man i didn't know much so as a result of that relationship, which we still have today, I started immersing myself in the study of Catholicism. I said, either this is true or it's bullcrap. And if it's bullcrap, then I'm out of here mm -hmm. or it's true. And so that relationship kind of forced me to look at Catholicism from an intellectual, rational, historical level. And at that point, for a lot of guys... A lot, a lot of times their, their heartfelt conversion, it happens because there's an intellectual download. And that's what happened to me. I had a rush of reason, and all of a sudden my heart was open. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, because right now you're a dedicated full-time lay evangelist. I mean, you went on to get your master's degree in theology from the Franciscan University of Steubenville, Ohio. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so some people would say, all right, Jess, well, okay, I get you. I, I had this conversion moment. All of a sudden, I'm into the faith more, um, but not everybody feels called or chooses that path where you go and actually get, you know, graduate level education in our faith, systematic teaching of, of the Catholic uh, theology. And then it's like now it's full time. Hey, I'm a lay evangelist. I'm out there preaching the gospel. I'm out there, um, you know, trying to facilitate encounters with Jesus Christ to others. Uh, how did you get down that path to where you, you know, you retired from the the, the uh, L.A. County Sheriff, to choosing this path for yourself? <clears throat> it's funny. It's it's the way when when I, again, the best way I can say it is that I fell in love with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then I discovered that he established a church. And so I'm connecting all these dots. 
And then I said to myself, I said, life is short. I'm, we're not going to be here that long. What's the best use of my time on planet Earth? Is it taking people to jail? Which is noble. Don't get me wrong. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. And, 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 and I don't begrudge that. It's a noble job. And any young guy that, that feels called to it, it's the Lord's work as far as I'm concerned when you do it properly. Mm-hmm. But I just, felt, I just felt that God had given me the ability to connect with men, uh, that I could connect with Catholic men just a bl- in a blue-collar style and bring them back to the church, have them really re-examine who Jesus Christ is for themselves, go through that intellectual download. And, and, and I just felt that God was calling me to basically do what Billy Graham has been doing in the pro- what was doing in the Protestant churches for 40 years. I said to myself, hey, you know what? <clears throat> I know Protestants don't have priests, but it doesn't mean that, that Catholics can't have something similar to augment because our priests give us the sanctifying grace through the sacraments. They're, they want to get us to heaven through the sacraments. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, let's just say the preaching oftentimes isn't isn't that passionate or or exciting. It, you know, in a 10-minute homily, you can't you really can't download a lot of information. So I said, maybe God has called me to do in the Catholic Church what Billy Graham has done so effectively in Protestants for 40 years. Yeah. So that blue collar approach is funny because I remember being at a, a men's conference up in uh, Northern California and uh, it was I think you were, you were there. Tim Staples was there. And um, I remember you uh, challenging those under 30. And uh, I actually didn't meet it at that time. I wasn't under 30 at that time. But it was like everybody that's under 30, get down and give me 20. Right. Oh, and, you were there. <laughs> okay. I was there. I was there. Yeah. And I think uh, that that resonated with a lot of the young men. Now, speaking of which. OK, so I, I want to go back to to. As you were describing your background, one of the things, so I'm from the island of Guam, so I'm not Latino, although I, most people think that I am, but I understand the cultural Catholicism from just the kind of, it wasn't, um, it's just kind of you, how you identify. If you say you're Hispanic or Latino, or if you say you're Portuguese, or if you say you're Guamanian, you just kind of check, check, and then check off, yeah, I'm also Catholic, right? Yeah. But, and, and I always say with a lot of these cultural Catholics, like for us, you know, for us being in California, from California, but obviously you're not, you no longer live here, but just that the, the Mexican, the Hispanic community is like the sleeping giant. If we wake them up, right? And a lot of cultural Catholics, the island of Guam is no longer a, I mean, it used to be a very Catholic island, but it's not so much anymore. Um, but yeah. if you wake them up to really live out that vibrant faith, oh man, you, you change the world, you change the island, you change this country, you change whatever city it is. What do you see, you know, for our fellow, uh, whether that be, you know, Latinos out there, um, whatever it may be, cultural Catholics, what do you see as an issue with them? Um, I mean, you woke up, you said yourself, you know, you, you kind of raised up in that cultural Catholicism, but that was somewhat lethargic, you know, uh, it wasn't vibrant. What do you see the, with the issue in our cultures, if you will, when it comes to the non-traditional sense of cult- cultural Catholicism where everybody, I mean, the whole city lived it, right? Um, and yeah. it was just like, it was going to be real hard to not be Catholic. But rather than just living out the cultural Catholicism, but never going to mass, right? Or being a, as we, one of my Hispanic friends, we talked about, you know, there's a lot of Guadalupanos, but not a lot of Catholics, you know? So it, why, why, are we, why are we sitting there wearing the rosary or, you know, got Our Lady of Guadalupe on our mini truck, but we don't ever darken the doorstep of a, of a parish. That's right. I'll tell you why, because I think, first of all, a lot of Catholics are bombarded with secular humanism. 
and it's and it's very it's a very powerful weapon that the devil uses. Secular humanism is basically that that mindset, that philosophy that a lot of Americans embrace, where it's basically you live for the weekend, you live for the next uh, you know barbecue, you live for the next beer. You know, it's uh, you have just short-term goals. I want to get a nice car. I want to get a nice house, get a promotion. Your eyes are just fixed on the world. You don't see beyond that. Mm -hmm. So that's a powerful weapon, number one, that the devil uses. Secular humanism and a lot of Catholics, just it just it just seems to infect them. They don't see beyond the weekend. Mm -hmm. They don't have the eyes to see, man, what's, what would happen if I would die tonight? They don't, they don't, those macro questions that Socrates and Aristotle, they don't ask them. Mm -hmm. Another thing that the devil uses to breed cultural Catholicism is moral relativism, which is taught in our universities, our, our, our schools, many Catholic schools as well. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the media, the pop culture, music, movies. The denial that there's an there's absolute truth. Uh, you figure out what's true for you. You decide what's right for you. So that's another weapon that the devil uses. And a lot of Catholics, once again, they they, they buy into it. I think the third weapon that the the devil uses against Catholics to create this lukewarmness, this tepidity, is uh, liberalism. Mm -hmm. Liberalism, which is basically just the the first liberal was Satan, by the way. <laughs> What I mean by liberal, I'll give you a definition. Mm -hmm. Liberal is, is somebody who questions lawful authority, okay? Mm. The devil questioned the lawful authority of God uh, in the beginning of time. And and liberalism, anybody who promotes, I uh, question the authority of God, Darwinian evolution, question the authority of Scripture, questioning the miracles of Jesus, question the miracles of Scripture in general, uh, question the authority of the magic, that, that, the Catholics that do that, like, for example, a lot of Catholic politicians, Pelosi, Biden, I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many of them. They've embraced liberalism, and liberalism is a sin. It, it's, it's something very evil that the devil has promoted. So the three, the, the what I would call the triple daughters of evil uh, are secular humanism, moral relativism, and liberalism. And that's what the devil's used very effective to breed a generation of lukewarm Catholics. Mm -hmm. So what? Okay. So we have we have that issue to deal with, and you know a lot of your work today is you're trying to revive. So you're either trying to turn people from from cold or lukewarm Catholicism into something that's vibrant for so they can have an encounter that you had. Um, and I'll tell you how that happens, bro. I'll tell you, and, and mm -hmm. John, it happens really. You got to go right to the heart of the issue. And and what, when I get a guy, you know, I I, I say, dude, just. Take my challenge. Grab your Bible for the next six months. Every day, read a page of the gospel and just go through it systematically. Then when you finished the four gospels, come back and do it in a loop. Take out a yellow marker. Take out, write notes, you know, write little notes and stuff. For yourself, discover who Jesus Christ is and mark my words. What's going to happen is, is you're going to get hit with the question that I got hit with. Jesus is either God or he's a liar. Mm -hmm. Take your pick. If he's a liar, dude, I'll join you. Eat, drink, and be merry. Let's party hardy for tomorrow we die. But if he's God, boy, oh boy, there's an incredible demand that's called upon you now as a Catholic. And, and there's an implication 
that's uh, it should just sober you up immediately. Mm -hmm. If he's God, and you've only got a certain amount of breaths left in your body, dude, uh, you better make sure you answer that question correctly. That usually rattles guys. I said, dude, tell me right now, is he God or is he a liar? I don't want to answer. You better answer, dude, before you have a heart attack. You better answer before Judgment Day. Every day I hope it haunts you. Is Jesus God or is he a liar? And if he's God, dude, then, then as Fulton Sheen says, uh, you're going to burn out doing something in this world. I'd rather burn out for Jesus than burn out in a golf course. That's right. So, so how do we, because you're hitting it right on the head, because I think a lot of Catholics, right, lukewarm Catholics, um, just kind of carry on as, as this non, I don't know, nonchalant mentality of how we approach the faith. You know, my faith is my faith. I don't want to, you know, I want to impose it on anybody else. And I'm thinking to myself, man, cause you said something about your own conversion that you fell in love with Jesus Christ. Now me, I was a wayward son. You know, I fell in love with our Lord. My knees had to be shattered. Right. And, and, and be faced with that same, uh, that same question of if Lord is really going to be, if Jesus Christ is really Lord, is he Lord over your life, over everything that you have? And that's the part that where I can feel the, the passion, that fervor and zeal. I'm the same way. I mean, I, I know for a fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and I want him Lord over my life. I contemplate death daily, right? That if I die tomorrow, if I die tonight, if I die in a few hours, will my wife and my three children know that daddy is, is on his way to heaven or not? You know, will there be any doubt in their mind? You know, can I take a full account before our Lord and Savior about everything that I've done? I will. And I guess the question is, can I take a full? I will take full account of everything yeah. that I've done and haven't done that led people either to Christ or away from Christ. And, and now I need to start now with reparation and making sure that I'm on my path to holiness and virtue. But brother, what do we got to do to shake that lethargic, lukewarm nonchalant go along to get along Catholicism or faith in general in people, right? At least I'll take somebody who's convicted in not being faithful over somebody who's just kind of like, meh, you know, about Catholicism because some people will see Jesse Romero or John Sablon for that matter. I mean, I just, you know, I told you I had a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Michael Voris on right with church militant and his whole apostolate. So people are like, Oh, you know, they're all about, Oh man, they're just, they're just too hardcore. They're just going to da, 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 da. I'm like, you know what? If a brother loves me enough or a sister for that matter to tell me, Hey, John, you're headed off a cliff, brother. You need to stop, repent and change your ways. That is actually true charity. Yeah. Let me, let me back up what you just said right now. Okay. Michael Voris is warning a lot of the bishops and cardinals that they're 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 going off the cliff, mm -hmm. and I'm glad he's doing that. And and you know what, Mother Angelica, who I believe will be a saint one day, Mother Angelica once said this: If somebody tells you the truth, they love you. If somebody doesn't tell you the truth, they don't love you. Mm -hmm. That's the criteria right there, mm -hmm. Mother Angelica. Those words. Uh, are, are, are basic, are, those words are immortal. Mm -hmm. And that's what a Catholic like Michael Morris, myself, yourself, that's all we want to do. Mm -hmm. We want to just put out the truth out there and let the chips fall where they may. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think the reason myself, Michael Morris, other people, we guard the church so jealously because this church doesn't belong to Theodore McCarrick or Pope Francis or Pope John Paul II or any, it belongs to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And when we see somebody 
clergy or not, Father James Martin, for example, mm -hmm. when we see somebody going off the rails and misrepresenting the Church of Jesus Christ and doing damage to the little ones, boy, oh boy, you got to shout that from the rooftops. Yeah. Of course, you got to say it in charity, and hopefully you're praying for them as well for their conversion, but you can't keep your mouth shut on this stuff. That's called in the catechism the sin of omission. Right. Right. I get you bring up a good point because I just had this discussion with a community member of mine where um, we were talking about this very this concept of, well, you know, John, that comes off judgmental. I'm like, I, I, maybe you should read up on the sin of omission. And, and I would think that if I'm saving somebody from bringing further judgment on themselves, because you talk about the clergy, Father James Martin is, the, is you know, the poster child for misleading um, our, 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 our younger folk, our older folk, who what you name it, everyone in between that true charity says, I need to call you out. I need to save you from any further harm to yourself and to other people, especially as the higher you go. Think about the vocation, the sacred office of the priesthood. I mean, especially in those or for those of us who are on the front lines, who have who are in a perceived position of teaching authority. Right. We, we know we get our teaching authority from our from our bishops. But I mean, you're out there as a lay evangelist. You are going to be responsible, brother, for everybody that you lead or mislead out there, for all the souls that you encounter out there. Right. Uh that's that's absolutely true because this doctrine doesn't belong to us; it belongs to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, everybody, whether you're whether you were a Roman caller or not, mm -hmm. we're called to be faithful to the teachings of Jesus Christ as they've been taught for two thousand years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. So, what do you what do you say to so those of us who um, they're out there on the front line? I mean, we think we see all the numbers right? Pew Research, Barna, Cara, all the statistics are showing that. Um, you know, we have an issue with people leaving the church for every one person confirmed uh, 6.5 leave. We know that 50 percent of Catholics are leaving the church. Uh, you know, you hear numbers of 79, 80 percent of them do so between the ages of 18 and 24. So you have kind of this decade really between 14 and 24 of critical times between our, our, our young formative minds where we have an we have an opportunity to form these young minds to deal with those things like you dealt with in your conversion right as you went off to college which is getting worse and worse now uh every year every day but what you know um here we are faced with that that tragedy and i think part of what we're trying to do i know what i'm trying to do with this podcast and this interview in, in particular is to try to to wake people up take the red pill right or as, as a, the young people are saying get woke right the fact that what we're doing is not working right the, the you know the bands and the pizza parties and all this fluff and the emotional sense of faith not to say i mean obviously god meets us in our senses right um but at some point right, yeah. in your spiritual maturation in your progress we we follow our lord through the cross and the cross doesn't feel good right the cross is difficult Versus saying, oh, well, I just, you know, sure, if you want milk and honey at first, but now we're ready for meat and potatoes. That's what we're trying to lead people to. So what do we got to do, brother, from your perspective, the work that you're doing today, um, you know, whether that be through radio evangelization or uh, out there speaking, being a lay evangelist and, and preaching to our brothers and sisters out there. Wh what do we got to do in your mind, especially in today's age where now because of the church scandal? Because of everything that, that, that's going on, that's being uncovered, whether that be, you know, the, the homosexual predation, whether, whether it be the, uh, you know, the um, pedophilia piece, uh, the, the abuse uh, of, of, our, of our clergy covering up things. You know, I mean, it's making evangelization that much more difficult, but that much more critical. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Well, we're doing it right now. What you're doing right now, John, you, yourself, myself, many others, <clears throat> the first document of Vatican II that was put out was called Intermerifica, which was on, on media and social communications. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit obviously knew that we would reach such a time as this, and the Holy Spirit uh, engineered the Council Fathers to put out a document to empower lay people to get into media. See what's beautiful about this right now. In the 15th century, you know, the Medici popes or the Borgia popes or Pope Alexander VI can get away with, you know, having six girlfriends and nine kids. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, John, they have, they're more accountable because now we could call them out on it. Mm -hmm. As the catechism tells us in paragraph 907, you can confront your sacred pastors. Mm -hmm. You can confront them. And as the young people say, put them on blast. Just do it with charity. Mm -hmm. And now as a, because of social media, we're able to communicate messages, good and bad. You know, Jesus is Lord or Father Martin is teaching heresy. Mm -hmm. So it, th this is one of the ways I think the Holy Spirit is using lay people to wake other lay people up. Because I'll tell you, guys intuitively know that they were made for battle as <laughs> as uh pope leo the 13th says christians moreover were made for battle and when guys see when you when you when you talk to another guy you we our language has to be we have to change it in other words there's a way to teach to talk to guys that's very effective and the new testament has all those words soldier for christ mm -hmm. fight the good fight of faith iron sharpens iron you know, you don't want to talk to a guy that you're trying to bring to the church and saying, oh, you're the bride of Christ. And, you know, so you got to pick and choose for the New Testament because some language is just a guy's going to say, uh, I don't think so. I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. But God has given us, it's top heavy with a lot of testosterone, a lot of masculine terms to evangelize men. Mm -hmm. and, and I try to give men the mind of a mission. I said, guy, you God has made, brought you into the Catholic faith. You're called to fight for your soul, fight for the soul of your family, fight for Holy Mother Church. Look what's happening in our church. Dude, are you praying? Are, are you warning your family about this? Are you being as holy as possible? So I think when we challenge other men, because that's what guys like. That's mm -hmm. what the whole UFC, MMA, boxing, rest. The whole world is guys want to be challenged. Mm -hmm. And so... Stuff like this podcast, men's conferences, cursillo retreats, men's retreats, you know, men's fellowship groups. All this stuff are forums where men can get together and talk like men. You know, our language could be a little bit salty. Say, dude, quit jacking off, man. Quit playing with yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, don't you know the devil's under the table when you do that? Can't say that in front, you know, in a, in a parish, you know, during a homily. Right. But it, we have the forum now through social media uh, to, to talk to men in a language that's that they can relate to. Mm -hmm. And that's why you hear me say nutty stuff when you hear me doing my radios and all podcasts. You know, this is UFC, Ultimate Faithful Catholics. <laughs> well, guys like that stuff, dude. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm not going to come in with, uh, you know, uh, you know, nice uh, OCP music, you know. <laughs> all are welcome. All, you know what I'm saying? They're just a way to reach men. Mm -hmm. and, and we have to we have to realize that there's a different language to evangelize the Catholic men. You know, I tell, you know, for a woman, I'd say, Christ is your spouse. You're the bride of Christ. Now, for a guy riding a Harley Davidson, 
or a guy doing jujitsu, that doesn't connect that well. Mm. How about this? Say, dude, Christ is our king, and you're one of the soldiers, dude. And you know what you got in your hand? It's called the sword of the spirit. That's the church's teaching. You got see. So mm. uh, we, we have. Here's what's happened, John. Uh, the church has been effeminized yeah. for like the last 50 years, but people like you, social media, men's movements, we're saying we reject that stuff. That kumbaya Catholicism, the balloons, banners, and butterflies has utterly failed, and now we we want to talk to you the way you should be talked to, just like a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so our, la- our language has to be different to men. And it's very effective with them. Well, and you, so you bring up a good point because some, some of the viewers may out, out there may be saying, well, well, why this focus on the men? And you think, okay, well, where have the greatest failures been in the last 50 to 60 years? You know, <sighs> it, you know let's, let, we, we can obviously look to the hierarchy, in, in, especially today. Um, but yep. let's, just look at, let's just look at, you know, we, we live in a fatherless nation. You know, most, most kids are being born into fatherless homes. We've abdicated our responsibilities as men. And so, you know, uh, this aggressive feminism in today's world, right, where it's no longer about equality, but it's actually supplanting man, right? So, in other words, I can be fully woman by getting rid of man. No, we're complementary, right? So, uh, a woman is fully revealed by man, and man is fully revealed in his his masculinity through true feminine genius. I mean, the church has a beautiful theology on this, but we've allowed the culture, right, and the devil and his minions to come in and redefine all this stuff, flip it on its side, and we as men have abdicated our responsibilities because we've been asleep at the will, right? Yeah. And if I'm asleep at the will, if I'm over here lethargic, I need you to slap the Jesus into me, right? And I think that's the part where it's like, hey, wake up. And, and poke me in the chest and get me to rise up and to say, look, John, you actually matter. What you do and what you don't do matters, specifically in your role as a, as a father, if it's biological or it's spiritual, because you will be a father to somebody. And statistics today show us that when men fail, the family suffers. And when the family suffers, so does Holy Mother Church and so goes the world. Right. And I think that's our challenge today is because some people may be going, man, why are you guys all being hard on men? Well, for one, we need it, you know, uh, in general. I'm not speaking to all men. Some may be like the, the, the soft t- approach. Um, I prefer to get smacked up, smacked around with a two by four and poked in the chest and say, you're not doing what you need to do, man. You know, matter of fact, just think about this. If you think about you brought up MMA and UFC, you think about boxing and, and kickboxing and, and working out. You know, imagine if your personal trainer you hired that you're paying a monthly fee just said, well, hey, Jesse, did you do that workout I told you to do? Nah, nah, I wasn't feeling it. Oh, okay. All right, man. Well, maybe if you, did you, how about the diet? Did you, did you implement that diet that I told you about? No, no, I wasn't really, you know, that's so hard to do. You know, it's just, you're asking me to go buy new groceries and I got to eat in a certain, oh, okay. You know, well, when you feel like it, no, you would for one, stop paying them. That trainer is going to say, look. If you're going to see, if you want to see the results that you said you wanted to get to, I need you to listen. I need you to follow directions. I need you to, uh, to, to, to execute the, the game plan that we came up with, right? Why is it any different than with God and with faith? It blows my mind that everything else in life, whether it be education, whether it's athletics, whether it's academics, whether it's our own personal fitness goals, that it's okay now for somebody to poke you in the chest, to tell you, Jesse, you ain't doing right, you ain't living right, quit smoking, quit drinking, quit overindulging. But when it comes to your faith, oh, hands off. I don't, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You know, that, I, don't, I don't get that. 
I don't get it. Yeah, you're right. There, there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. They they call that in psychology cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, where guys have disconnected thoughts. Yeah, and I'll just tell you, you know, I'll be, I'll just, you know, a lot of it is who you surround yourself with. A lot of guys, just to be honest, I tell them you got to change your friends. Mm-hmm. You got to change your environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saint John Bosco says, "Tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are." Mm-hmm. And, and, and so a lot of a lot of this comes from the fact that a lot of guys just hang out with knuckleheads. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I tell them, dude, either change them or change your inf- or change your friends. And if uh, if these guys have the heart of Pharaoh and, you know, you're outnumbered, uh, maybe you're just called to pray or pray for them. But you're probably called to change, uh, change your environment and change your friends. I think another thing that where a lot of men fail is they they have the idea oftentimes that religion is for the women they say no 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 my wife will take the kids to ccd or you know take the kids to choir practice or take them to church i'm going to stay here i'm going to cook the barbecue i got guys coming over it's sunday afternoon they think it's a it's the woman's role which number one to show you how wrong they are the largest religion in the world i hate to say it it's top heavy with men in fact, it's a it's a man oriented religion. It's called Islam. Mm-hmm. So if you think if you think religion is effeminate, go into a mosque and tell them as they're worshiping Allah, Tom, you guys are a bunch of sissies. See what happens to you. Okay, those guys don't consider themselves soft or effeminate. They know, and as wrong as their doctrine is and their view their 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 view of God. As, raw, as, as warped as everything is, one thing that they Muslims do have right is they understand that religion is a masculine endeavor and that the, that the man has to be the tip of the spear. In Islam, the man is the tip of the spear for all things when it comes to faith. And that's the way it also is with Catholicism, property practice. The tip of the spear for the Jews was the man. The, the Jews would call the man of the house the priest of the home. Hmm. They, they would call him the, uh, what's the name for priest in Hebrew? Uh, nonetheless, there's a Hebrew name for it, but the man was the priest of the home. And even in, in the New Testament, uh, the man is called to imitate Christ. Christ is the head. The woman's called to imitate the church. Hmm. The church is the body. The church receives. The church surrenders. The church trusts the man, Christ. And so everything about religion is is oriented towards the man. It makes him responsible. It doesn't imply machismo, though. Right. You know that 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 cannibal, brute force, caveman, jihadist mentality. Drag your wife from one cave. That's not what religion promotes. That's an aberration of a mas- masculine religion. That's that's. That view is diabolical, okay? Mm-hmm. But then you also have the other view that's also effeminate, and it's also uh, it's also something that's affecting the church, is where guys abdicate the responsibility, and, and, and guys are just effeminate. They let, they let the wife run everything when it comes to, we're going to go to Mass at this time and get the kids ready, and, and the guy just, okay, honey, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know, wake up, dude. Splash some cold water in your face. You're the one that's supposed to say, we're going to 11 o'clock Mass this Sunday. Y'all better be ready by 10 o'clock because the car's going to be fired up at 1030. Mm-hmm. And you better be ready your Sunday's best, et cetera, et cetera. Don't leave that up to mom. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's, you know, let, and let's qualify some of that because what you're bringing up is an interesting point because what people may go when they're hearing this or watching this is like, okay, you guys are, okay, it sounds like you guys are being machismo. And I think what people need to understand, social statistics will show us that when the woman is the spiritual leader in their home, th- that you have a 2% likelihood of, of those kids having any faith at all in their adolescence or their young adulthood. And, and of course, we see that in other statistics as we coded in the Pew Research and, and CARA and whatnot. But when the man is a spiritual leader in the home, right, all of a sudden it's 65 to 75% swing, right, to say now, and this is, and I, and I think I've some, in my own personal reflection, because I used to be a, a spiritually, spiritual sloth. My wife used to pull the spiritual train in my home, you know, sad to say. Um, thanks be to God, I've woken up since then. And my, I have three kids, all adult kids who are all practicing their faith, two sons who, who are owning their faith. Um, because they see a dad who lives it out, who owns it, who's, and, and I think what people need to understand, you have brought up scripturally what we're supposed to do. I, you know, I have this saying, the Ephesians 5 love, right? Because everybody hears that saying, right, Jesse, right? Uh, be, we hear, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives be subordinate to their husbands as to the Lord, and everyone just loses their mind, right? Like, what, what do you mean? And yet, in, in verse 525, I think is what it is, when he says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, handing himself over for her. So if you look at going back to the Old Testament, when, when Adam, Adam was given the charge to till and to keep, Abad and Shamar to serve, protect, and defend all of creation. Yeah, right? that's what the Hebrew means, that, right? Shamar yeah. in the yeah. Old Testament. Yeah, right. so if you think about that, the, that concept of saying, okay, in our own stewardship as men to govern right to serve protect and defend all of creation first and foremost our wives and our children that we are actually the protectors we're actually the servants we're actually the first one to serve them so we and by leading them to to church and to mass and by leading them in prayer why and this is my i was going back to this part of my own reflection in my life as i said you know uh, and 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 women you know intuitively they get it they're smarter they they're they're more humble they're they're more introspective so they're open to the concept of god but it's just like our kids right our our kids know that mom is supposed to nurture them are supposed to love them when they get hurt they get a boo-boo they scrape their knee they're running to mama that's just reality and, and yeah. when they need something fixed, they need to feel protected. They run to dad. And I think in that case, they expect it's almost like moms are expected to love. But when dads do it, it's a choice. They choose to love. And so when we lead by choice and that's whether you can argue whether or not that's a fair or not assessment. But all I'm saying is moms are almost expected to love. Fathers choose to love or not. And we can see that today in today's society where fathers are just they're abandoning their children. They're choosing to abandon their children. Mothers pick up that slack. So I can, you know, I can, I can sympathize and somewhat empathize for the women who have to pick up the slack because men are failing. And I think that's a part of Go ahead. And God will give those women the grace uh, because they exercise heroic virtue when they're doing double duty mm-hmm. and God will give supply their needs. God will give them the grace uh, to, to, to raise those kids even by themselves. But that's not, that's not the optimal conditions for a child. That's not the way it was meant to be. Right. But God can can supply their needs if they have a deadbeat husband. That's right. You know, as Jesus says in Scripture, right? In the beginning, it was not so, right? Yeah. And and so you think about you know God's plans. He can um, you know we hear always the the, the the cliche the old ad is right. God writes straight with crooked lines. He will allow us. Yeah. He'll take us from the situation that we put ourselves in. 
whether yeah. it's it, it through our, it's our own human failure, not to say a wife would choose that or a mom or any, you know, there's single dads out there as well. But in the beginning, it was not so. The ideal way is to, to have that family intact. So let's let's switch right. let's switch gears a little bit. Brother. I, I appreciate that dialogue because I think men need to hear that. And actually, women need to hear that. I don't know about you, but in, in my own uh, ministry where I've been out there uh, doing, you know, whether it be missions, retreats, uh, talks, um, whenever I, I, I poke at the men in the chest, I always get the women coming up after saying, hey, I appreciate you, brother, for, uh, you know, telling the men what they need to hear in front of the women because they actually see men standing up for women to men and standing up and calling them out. Um, so I just, that's right. yeah, I wanted, I wanted to be able to clarify because, uh, I think some people may, that's part of this issue where they say, man, you're just coming down too hard on people, but let's switch it over. You know, my, my, my time's obviously limited with you and I appreciate your generosity thus far, but let's talk about the state of the church today in the world and what we can do as, as faithful Catholics to, uh, to do our part because now, you know, we have this issue with a mistrust in the church hierarchy. You know, uh, look at what we just experienced in um, in, in the conference of, uh, you know, uh, where there was a bishops. Yeah, the bishops in, in Baltimore and where we, you know, we didn't deal with the abuse and we're waiting for February and so on and so forth. And the lay don't know who to trust. And, um, you know, we don't know to send our kids to seminary anymore because we don't know what's going on in seminary and so on and so forth. This is the stuff that's out there and it's been out there. What is your message for the lay faithful? Um, regardless of their men or women in these dark times, in these scandalous times to to do, to maintain, to keep, to sustain the faith and to still propagate and evangelize others. John, first of all, the scripture calls us all to be uh, a light in the darkness. All of us are called to be the light of Christ and to be a light in the darkness. And so the best thing that we can do, obviously, we can't order the Holy See or the Pope or a Cardinal or a Bishop or the U.S. Bishops. You can't tell them what to do. The Catholic Church has a military structure. There's a pecking order. There's a chain of command. But ultimately, salvation, although Christ died for everybody, ultimately, salvation, every one of us has to go to the cross. And so the, the best thing that you can do is, uh, as Pat Coffin usually says, he says, uh, Get holy. I mean, become holy. What else is there? Mm -hmm. I've seen another Tisha says, get holy or die trying. Mm -hmm. The best thing we can do, John, is to become as personally, personally, as holy as possible, mm -hmm. because that helps the body of Christ. St. Paul uses this analogy in 1 Corinthians 12, I think it's 26 and 27, where he says, when one person suffers, all suffer. So mm -hmm. there you see that. One person in the body of Christ or suffering affects the rest of us in some mysterious way. Then it says, when one person rejoices, all rejoice. Mm -hmm. So when you when you take the fact that we're interconnected in some mysterious or mystical way, when you or I become as holy as possible, your holiness, it affects other people in the mystical body of Christ. And so in, in times like this, the Catechism actually answers your question in paragraph 828. It says, in times like this, the saints, a paragraph 828, the saints have always been the source and origin of renewal in the most difficult moments in church in the church's history. They practice heroic virtue and live in fidelity to God's grace. Mm -hmm. So regardless of what Theodore McCarrick or other people have done, Father James Martin you and I have to have to keep your eyes on the prize. 
Who's the prize? Jesus Christ, Hebrews chapter 12, verse mm -hmm. 2, the author and finisher of our faith. And so if we individually as Catholics desire, you know, uh, the, the Second Vatican Council, one of the recurring themes, that answer that call to holiness, mm -hmm. it's going to affect the Pope. It's going to affect the U.S. bishops. It's going to affect your parish priests. It's going to affect those around you. So that's number one. Well, how do you do that on a practical level? You've got to cultivate your relationship with God through a life of prayer, okay? A life, and, and you know, if you want to know just some, the Bible says we should be praying three times a day in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. Morning, midday, and evening. Receiving the sacraments and off, as often as possible, a state of grace. Praying our rosary, it's a weapon. So many things have happened throughout history as a result of Catholics storming heaven with the rosary. Mm -hmm. Divine mercy devotions, reading our Bible. Uh, getting involved in the life of the church. See, what, what's happened is a lot of good people have stopped getting involved in the church. And what happened? It's left a vacuum for dissenters. It's left a vacuum for liberals and progressives and heretics to come in and to do stuff in the church that was never called for. And so get involved in your parish. You know, don't just sit back and, and be a complainer. Get involved in our CIA. If you know the truth, you've encountered the truth, and you see some some silly stuff being taught. Say, Father, you know what? I'd like to help over here. Get involved in confirmation. We've got to take back our parishes because our, every single parish, that's like the nuclear power plant of every single Catholic community. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our parishes, we've abdicated them to dissenters, to liberals, to progressives that are teaching things that are not Catholic or giving opinions. And so there's two things that I would say. Pray, a life of prayer. Know your faith. Share your faith, live your faith, get involved in your parish, and also going back to some of the ascetical practices, praying the rosary every day, fasting on Fridays, bump it up, fast on Wednesdays and Fridays, mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, acts of penance, you know, do the rosary on your knees, you know, um, so a holy hour once a week. I mean, if, if Fulton Sheen could do a holy hour once a day, mm -hmm. I think we could find once a week to do a holy hour. And, and so, again, uh, if we as Catholics answer the call to holiness and become as holy as possible, we're going to affect other people in the body of Christ. You know, it's like when you see in the, the Easter vigil, uh, Saturday night, Holy Saturday Mass, mm -hmm. you walk into the church, it's dark. They give people a candle, okay? They light one candle. You start passing it on to the other people. You know, within about five minutes, there's a thousand lights lit up. That's, that's exactly what happens in the body of Christ, though we can't see it. Mm -hmm. When you're around a holy Catholic person, it has an effect. It lights you up. And now you're going to light somebody else up that they'll never encounter. And that's how it works. we got to go back to paragraph 828 of the Catechism. That's right, brother. I think uh, well said because I think the the one thing you can't control, because we can't control what happens in, in you know, in Rome. Um, we can't control what happens even in our own diocese, more or less in the, in, the, in the bishop's conference. But you can't control what happens in your own heart and your own home. And personal Thanks. sanctification, right, uh, that return to prayer, of course, is the fundamental staple of our faith in general, the sacraments. So, I mean, people think, you know, I know you're involved in some deliverance prayer uh, ministry as well. It's funny how people always want this self-help, uh, you know, world-renowned silver bullet of some sort. And yet it's it's simple things 
albeit it's not doesn't mean it's without its challenges prayer the sacraments we don't need anything outside of what god gave us through holy mother church anyways the, the grace of the sacraments god's divine life working in you and that return to aestheticism like you said in this idea of you know redemptive suffering offering it up right you hear that offer it up well, what does that actually mean that actually means take whatever it is that fasting that prayer time that 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 sacrifice that you're making and offer it up for those these poor souls these these lost sheep these uh these you know um these shepherds who are in error or our brothers and sisters who are in error or those that are sep our separated brethren or you know the the numerous uh the numerous folks out there that are spreading moral relativism i mean that's a, the true sign of a saint is somebody that's actually loving your neighbor in true charity by willing their good and and wanting them to end up in heaven where we should want everybody to be in heaven um right that's true love yeah that it's, is that's right it's and it's, desire what's best for another that's true love true love and it's measured by one thing called sacrifice and so i think uh in in uh that's probably a good way to to kind of bring this to uh, a close is is you know ask yourself right what is it that we can do i think jesse's point is you know what where's we got a dog in this fight and to just point and, you know, point to the hierarchy or point to the Jesse Romero's of the world and say, well, Jesse's got it. Nah, as all of us as confirmed Catholic, as confirmed Catholic, as baptized faithful, we all have that call, universal call to holiness. We all are um, in more perfectly bound to Holy Mother Church. We're all uh, obliged to spread and defend the faith by word and deed, as the catechism, catechism tells us in paragraph 1285, that we need to go and be holy first if we're ever going to convince other people of holiness. Holiness is attractive, brother, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's like, okay, well, yeah, and then in the midst of this craziness, it's like, man, why is Jesse so on fire for the faith? Why is he dedicating his whole life to to this Jesus person right to this catholic thing yeah. um i think is a good way to 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 kind of uh to, to spread that gospel message by living it first and then right preaching it and teaching it and getting involved but my brother uh best way to catch a hold because i know you got a lot going on with regards to your own per personal speaking ministry i know you've got uh you know jesse and terry show which um, most people are very familiar with what's the best way to get a hold of you and to find out what's going on and if you're ever close in their area Absolutely. Just go to my website, jesseromero.com. I've got uh, my speaking schedule there, and uh, you can see uh, the, the shows that I do. I do two shows a week, uh, Jesus 911 and the Terry and Jesse show. Once we got booted out of Relevant Radio, we just a week after, we were on the Internet, and we just uh, were going full steam ahead, or as we say, full sheen ahead. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, and uh, also on my website, I got several books that I've written, uh, you know, you're you're talking about one, about redemptive suffering. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one of the ways the devil wants Catholics not to enter into redemptive suffering. Hey, go get your medical marijuana card, Catholic. Mm -hmm. Okay, and a lot of Catholics have bought into that. Mm -hmm. I wrote a whole book on that on uh, the issue of uh, marijuana, why it's dangerous, mm -hmm. and uh, this is exactly the devil's strategy to take us away from the cross, to take us away from redemptive suffering. Just grab a joint, toke up, and uh, forget about your problems. Yeah, I mean that, and just the 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 self med, you know, just self medicate, right? And just to numb yourself from the pain. And really, what we're trying to do is fill a a God sized void, God sized void in our heart and in our lives. So, hey, brother, I appreciate all the work that you're doing out there for Holy Mother Church. Um, you know, I've been blessed by uh, your ministry personally and and professionally. So, um, I just want you to know you'll be continue to be 
in my prayers and I, and I pray that the Lord continues to use you and, um, and the ministry and that may God continue to bless you and your family. Anytime, anytime, John, you uh, want me to back on, just give me a call, dude. I'm, I'm here for you. I appreciate it. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. Amen, brother. Well, God bless. And uh, you guys have a Merry Christmas and we'll talk to you soon. You got it, bro. God bless you too. Merry Christmas. True faith, real talk. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. Continue the conversation online. Visit johnsublon.com. Until next time, get holy or die trying. Godspeed. Godspeed.